0: Welcome back to beyond well i'm sheila hamilton and once again i'd like to show you another project that i've been working on where we explore our interior lives it's called chasing chaos COVID-19 and quarantine hit some people a lot harder than others. Creatives, performers, or anybody who made their living in front of a crowd faced a time of enormous economic hardship and psychological pain. We created this series to share some real stories and real people experiencing their mental health. And my guest today exemplifies real through gutsy outpourings like her one woman show and memoir crazy enough as a finalist on the cbs series rockstar supernova as a vocalist in pink martini and through her deeply personal always captivating pajama sessions on instagram which i watched everyone (laughs) how has she powered through this equally crazy world of the pandemic let's find out please welcome storm large Hello, oh hi, sweetie. Oh, oh, it's good,
1: good to see, see you. you. I know I like your rock and roll bangs too. Yeah, You're rocking thanks. it, even
0: though we're like um, you know, so zoomed out. I just so look forward to being in your presence and seeing your face. So, thank you for doing this so much. Oh,
1: no, it's my pleasure. I'm all on team, Sheila.
0: Thank you. So, I want to know welcome. what classic song shouts about how you felt about this year in quarantine. Do you have a song? Oh,
1: I don't know if there's any songs with enough swears in it. Um, Maybe like old I think it was an old Woody Guthrie and it's one, two, three. What are we fighting for? Don't ask me. I don't give a damn. Next
2: stop is, I guess, Q and nine. <laughs> and it's five, six, seven. Open
1: up the gates. Oh, ain't no time to wonder why we are going to die. Something like that. Um, it was just utterly, utterly maddening. I learned a lot. I learned it early on. I learned a very interesting phrase that you might have heard of. It's a psychological term. Allostatic load, do you know that term?
0: I wanna hear more about it.
1: Okay, allostatic load I read about in regards to the fatigue that came from inactivity basically, Mm. not being stimulated by normal life. Not so much distractions, but like your social life, Mm. your work life um being stimulated you know we get tired from working a lot and moving a lot but we also get this sort of fog and exhaustion and um missed misfired uh synapse mm-hmm. um we're forgetful very forgetful like we didn't we couldn't figure out what day it was it's yeah. like groundhog day and so right. for a year and constant and constant 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 terrifying terrible awful uh, cringing oh uh, uh, endless yeah. endless um, terribleness coming in from our only source of stimulation, which was phone, computer, television. So I was like, what is this even called? And I, I, I didn't get into the etymology of allostatic, but I would imagine static being stasis or something. But allostatic load is when you are utterly exhausted from actual anxiety, not neurosis, where it's an imagined thing you're afraid of. I, mm-hmm. You're constantly actually being shown things that you should be afraid of. And not just your own ambiently. In that bad news, in that sort of stressful thing that we were all experiencing, when I read that, I was like, oh, that's just more evidence Mm -hmm. how connected we are, how we affect each other, even if we're not around each other and we haven't been around each other. But yet we are still collectively feeding and drawing from the common energy. Yeah, Uh, as hippy-dippy as that sounds. It's a psychological term.
0: It, It always feels to me like you operate on another level where one is this deeply intuitive artistic level. The other is just your intellect, which just shows, of course, you're looking up some scientific terminology for what's happening to our bodies. But were you able to take that information intellectually and put it into use daily? Like, did you turn off the news? Did you go for a walk every day? Did you use that information to help you stabilize your mental health?
1: In the early, early on, first thing I did was got together with some friends and started shelterpdx.org because we were, I was literally flying back from my last show with Pink Martini, which was on March 8th. So I flew home on March 9th, texting my friends going, okay, so this is huge. It's going to shut down. We need to set up a fund for performers in Oregon. And so uh, we set up a fund uh, called Gimme Shelter that gave tax free $500 grants to performers of all stripes burlesque, yeah. drag performers, comedians, actors, musicians, because they're a, a quantifying multiplier economy. You know, yeah. a lot of performers, when they're starting out, they're working in restaurants, they're working in bars. Those are closed. So if we could keep people in their homes, then okay, they'll stick around. And we, we're going to really need our creative types to be the solution. So that was the first thing. Then I did that and it was great. But then I was like, okay, so I have to exercise every single day until I puke so I can sleep through the night. Then I started doing pajama sessions and the pajama sessions were really fun, super intimate. It was mostly just me getting crock at night going, what does anybody want to hear? Oh, sucks. Doesn't it suck? Yeah, I know it sucks, but it was venting. So it was, it was connection for me. But then after George Floyd's murder and Breonna Taylor and, and, and the endless list of names. I was like, you know what? No one needs to hear from a white lady right now. As badly as I want to connect, uh, as badly as I want to be, I don't know, something joyful. And I I even told Joanne Hardesty, she said, you know, maybe you could come and you could talk to the crowd and you could sing and you could give some, give some words of peace or whatever. And I was like, I love you, but no one wants to hear from an old white lady. Those kids are all young. They have never heard of me anyway. And it's, Mm -hmm. and it is not my voice that needs to be heard right now. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of shut down and I went, I drove cross country to go help my best friend, bury her dad and finalize his affairs. He died of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was back East for a couple of months. Yeah. I just kind of shut down and I didn't, I wasn't very creative. I talked to a bunch of my creative friends. I'm like, are you writing anything right now? Yeah. And they're like, no, I'm yeah. not feeling it. Because performers in particular, we're, we're externally motivated. We need deadlines. We need an audience. We need, mm-hmm. what are we going to do for this show tomorrow? You know, we have practice. And, and I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm not doing anything. And it was very, it was existential. It was kind of like, okay, well, what am I? You know, people say, oh, you're not your job. But yeah, yeah, I am. Uh-huh. I am uh-huh. my job. Yeah. I am the job, yeah. the boss, the product, yeah. the hooker, the ping pong ball trick. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm all of it. And, uh, and it's all very personal to me because it's, it's important. I don't, you know, you know me, I don't take myself seriously, but I take my job very seriously. And man, when, when you can't do it, it's very existential. You're like, well, what am I? How, what is where is my value? It's very easy to to lean into the comfort of applause, mm. travel, people excited to meet you and and all of the trappings that come with all the grueling work of being a touring musician. But without those markers, and I mean, income also, let's talk about being broke, without those markers, you're like, what am I even doing? But it also just kind of really reaffirmed that I want to lift people up and I want to make people feel better because I, you know, I encounter people from abusive, scary childhoods like my own growing up with a mentally ill parent. I mean, when I did Crazy Enough and when I wrote that play and I wrote the book, so many people, so many people were just like, oh, my God, that was my mom. That was my sister. That was me. That was my dad. Oh, my God, I can't believe. And I feel so much better knowing that you got through. And so there are some people, you know, I'm sure, who come through situations like that or abusive homes, trauma, some kind of trauma from their childhood. And they become like, love isn't real and I'm going to get mine and no one's getting close to me. And I know there's bad things around the corner. Yeah. And I went the other way. I went the way of the Labrador and just like
2: someone's got a cookie. Come on. You know, <laughs> I know someone's got a cookie. Hey. Hey. I, here, you touch my butt. Oh,
1: yeah, let's go outside. Woo! I mean, it's exhausting and it's a hard thing to keep up. Um, but I, I grew up because I was so lonely and saw the pain, in, and I was infected with the loneliness that I saw in my mother, which was she was so just off and so different and so but so sweet. But I just saw her beat down and beat down and beat down from her illness and from her, the reaction to her illness and myself included, I wasn't nice as a teenager. I was just like, you're weak. I'm not going to be you. I'm not going to be you. And all she wanted was to be loved. And so as an adult, all I want is to be loved. And furthermore, I don't want anyone to ever feel like that. I don't want anyone to feel like that. That's when people try to kill themselves. That's when people try to hurt other people is if they feel like they don't belong and they 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 join cults and they 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 believe terrible things about other people they dehumanize other people because they just don't feel like they belong anywhere and so it's super easy to scare them
0: yeah Storm, I was wondering, with all that time alone, and I know, um, I think so many people, if you didn't have your existential crisis during this, maybe you missed an opportunity for a little reflection, is what I think. Mm. But I was curious, was knowing your genetic risk for mental illness, knowing that you had all this time, knowing that you faced the economic pressures, were you worried that this was going to be your tipping moment, that this was going to be perhaps your moment when an illness would show up? It was with this kind of vengeance that you couldn't control?
1: Yeah, I actually did have a few scary uh, when I was alone, when I was home, because all of my closest friends in Portland are married with families or their parents are still here or they have dogs and they have normal lives. And I was single and I was just totally on my own and everyone's afraid yeah. to go anywhere with anyone. And I'm so tactile and huggy and grabby. And, and that was taken away. So there were... Quite a few times where I was like, um, the things that are being said in my brain yeah. are really dark. Yep. And so I would break out my paper and I would make a list of all the most important people in my life. And I would I would take a snapshot in my head of if something happened to me, what would they do? Mm. And absolutely. That would, that kept me. That kept me from doing anything. Wow. But then I got on Tinder. And I was like, you know what, I could just flirt with people on Tinder. And maybe if someone lives alone like me, and we could get tested or something, we can hook up or something. Um, And yeah, I got on Tinder in April. And it was awesome. So that's,
0: I was curious about that, too, because I know the challenge of trying to decide whether or not you're going to have sex with someone in a normal world, let alone a pandemic world. So What were the conversations like? How long did you wait to figure out if you were actually going to meet with the person, breathe on the person, have sex with the person?
1: Oh, well, here's the thing. I was on, I was on Tinder a bunch of years ago. Friend put me on Tinder and I was like, I don't want to be on Tinder. And, and it got really weird because people like, oh my God, storm large. And they started hounding my social media about storms on Tinder. I'm like, okay, I can't do it. Yeah. But I was like everybody's locked in their house. The weeding out period will, I could take my time. So, kind of like with STDs, the STD conversation. Yeah. But less less cringy. So, it was like, look, I live alone. I've been car camping. My I think my Tinder handle said something like quarantine curious and I believe scrabble is a contact sport. And <laughs> um so- and so it's true. So- I'm a I'm not a competitive person. I'm a loving, gentle sweet dog of a like a super lab you know yeah so competitive Uh. in scrabble (laughs) well we had conversations like this one boy i dated on tinder was a home inspector and he was dressed like a beekeeper when he went to work and he was very careful and so i was Uh. like all right it was like you know that from from uh from seinfeld you know are you sponge worthy kind of thing i'm like hey condoms and (laughs) (laughs) Because seriously, it saved my life. Some some sex seriously saved my life. Oh, oh, yeah. I I say do
0: whatever it is you had to do to survive this last year. I was so grateful also, Storm, when you just – you were so intimate and so honest on your social media about what it meant to feel deep loneliness and feel depression. And I'm curious if you ever said, should I say this or should I edit this or I just – do this because I do believe that this is the human condition and we should be real about it.
1: Um, I don't think my vulnerable confessions ever crossed my mind in terms of, uh, should I post this? I would edit for the sake of, cause sometimes I'll post something and I'll get a flood of text going, are you okay? What's going on? Uh-huh. Are you all right? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just venting. I'm expressing something, but it was a real good lesson when I wrote crazy enough that sharing some vulnerable, dark, cringing stuff that you're not necessarily proud of or that you might've handled it better, but you're still very transparent about it. It was so, it collected so many people around Mm. that had a similar experience, but did not have a platform to discuss it. Didn't have the, not the courage, but just like, didn't see, like when I was asked to do the show, I was like, what's the point they just want to see my boobs and hear me talk about dong don't they? And everyone's like, no, no, talk about your mom. I'm like, Oh no, that's a terrible Uh idea. That's a sad story. Nobody wants to hear that sad story, Mm. but in our storytelling in, in music and in television and film and we're all telling the human story, we're all part of the human story Mm. and the power of relating the power of strangers, having something so uncommon, it makes you feel less crazy, Mm. basically. You know, I was like, I'm the only person who feels like this. When I was a kid, I'm like, I'm the only person who feels like this. And I feel so much. I feel so much. I shouldn't even be alive. I'm too sensitive. Mm. And sometimes I still feel like that. But that's that's the way I move through the world. And it's it's a lot for some people to take. It, it used to be, I, st- I was always kind of like this, I think defensively because I was, I grew up on a prep school campus. Yeah. It was a boys, all boys school until 76. Hmm. And so I was seven years old when some women started, some girls started going to school there. And so I just learned how to fight. I knew how to nut punch somebody when I was four, learn how to be tough. And then I, I started to get an idea of the nastiness of gossip. God bless the fact that you and I were not little kids during Uh, the internet. Oh my God. I I
0: don't think I could have survived it. I really don't. I was just like you, super sensitive, but also I would want a response, you know? Oh, yeah.
1: Totally. So I started to overshare, so nothing could be discovered of me. It was like oversharing defensive honesty. Mm. because I saw girls who looked like really perfect and really pretty and they were really sweet or whatever but they, someone oh she threw a tampon down the toilet and it got flooded ah and then forever oh that's period girl it's like horrible wow. Cruel. and I would just I would I would get up from class and be like gotta change your pad soaking because you're not going to discover that about <laughs> me there's going to be so much that comes out of my own mouth about me <laughs> That's totally embarrassing <laughs> that it was going to be like, oh, my God. Ugh. and they're going to it's it's going to be like just a barrage of awful. And so That's nothing Such, can such be an discovered. amazing
0: strategy. It's just like I got there first. You want to check out the. Memoir? Yeah. OK, what about these songs? My history is out there
1: for y'all. That's y'all. right. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> awesome. Nothing. Nothing has more power than a secret. Yeah, then a, then a, then a secret because there's so much shame around secrets. Yeah. And it's just like, own it, man. You're a human being, you know, and I grew up in the Episcopalian. It's kind of like Catholic, only they're like, you're probably going to touch yourself. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> Um, so that's so awesome. It's true.
0: I want to ask you about, I know for me, um, Jesus, I could not wait until three o'clock when I could open the wine. I could not Uh, like, I mean, it was, it was a coping mechanism. I knew it. I just said, look, I have this one thing that I do. And I'm curious how you view your coping mechanisms that uh, you all relied on.
1: Oh yeah. I am definitely, uh, my, my addiction tooth definitely was sweetened up for sure. <laughs> and a lot of people were like, "You know what? It's COVID. Just just give yourself a break." I'm like, "No, I think I'm going to give my liver a break." So I did um the thing that helped me the most was the fact that the bulk of the lockdown was in the summer. Yeah. So I could go I could go camping, exercise. I could go exercise yeah. and I yeah. could limit my intake. But absolutely I drank way more yeah. and one thing I've been um, oh, and I started like having a cigarette every once in a while. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> so, so people see me, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm sorry. It's just my lungs. <laughs> it's yeah. just whatever. It's just my money maker. It's like a ballet dancer who has a habit of smashing her foot with a brick, yeah. whatever. But yeah, I, I definitely drank more and that became a habit. But I would like go away and stop for a week and just like yeah. watch my hand. I'm like, am I shaking? Am I having yeah. DTs? But I never got that bad. And I yeah. I'm anemic, so I have to get blood work all the time. And I was like, Can you check my liver. And they're like, you're fine. I'm like rad. But what I learned was also, and I've been telling people this, reminding people of this, I've I hear friends bemoaning parents and bemoaning other friends and bemoaning family members going, the fucking God, they're driving me crazy. God, da, da, da. I'm like, mm. everybody's crazy right now. Yeah, We've all been in a crate and being told horrible things were happening and we're going to get worse. The human brain cannot sustain mystery for very long. Yeah. We need to know that there's going to be floor when we take a step forward. We need to know there's going to be clean air. When we take a breath, we need to know that we can, we can eat and feed our families. There are, there are certain things, basic things and knowing what day it is and where we're headed. And we have a purpose is definitely one of them. And that was all taken away. So everybody's lost their mooring. They're reaching for alcohol, reaching for comfort, reaching for whatever. And I say this to myself, I'm like, dude, patience, be kind to yourself because everybody's mental um, we're not going to go back to normal. Things are going to definitely be different, but just give yourself a break. Give your mom a break. Give your friend who is being completely needy and awful and annoying. Give them a break. Yeah. Give everybody a break. I mean, it's sad. We've lost so many people, but the fact that it was happening to everyone everywhere, yeah. not just Oregon, not just women, it was a collective, a human collective calamity. I mean, I believe that most humans, are, are naturally kind of empathetic, but I also believe that empathy is limited by your experience. Yeah. Like walk a mile in my shoes. Like, yeah, I, to be empathetic and to have compassion for somebody else's issue, it really helps to have had that issue yourself. Oh
0: God. So true. I, we had a rule here at our house. It was called nobody's going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And the idea was, it is so stupid to think about ending anything right now. Even if you must end it eventually, it is a really discouraged from doing it during a time where you can't move without, you know, movers telling you that they'll charge you $150 an hour just because of the pandemic rule. And also just because it's gonna be different once we can get back to real life. We'll be seeing you live in person. So do you have any plans? Are you coming (coughs) back to the stage?
1: Um, I am slowly and carefully. Pink Martini and I are going to Omaha, Nebraska for an outdoor, socially distant outdoor orchestra gig. And then I'm going to Indiana, Carmel, Indiana, to perform with Michael Feinstein at his new club. But they're at a third capacity. Yeah. So it's still tentative, careful baby steps. But the vaccine rollout is so far doing really well. And a lot of people are already been jabbed and and things are opening up there. We still have to proceed with caution. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to God, just. Selfies, like throwing my arm around somebody you know. and hugging somebody and like getting, signing autographs and yeah. jumping into the, jumping into the audience and running around and, and singing at people, you know, singing is like, a, I'm, I'm like a super spreader in the other sense. I know. Other than, you know, how you usually know me. Um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so storm, I want to talk a little bit about the wisdom that came out of your pajama sessions, if you can, and maybe you could, I don't know if you can think about this, but we always like to leave people with like, simple tools that they can use for their own mental health and well-being, and also to try to achieve the kind of authenticity you bring to the world. So can you think about some of those things from Pajama Sessions, advice that you gave people for how to get along, and put them into a few tips for us? Well,
1: one thing I always, this is from before the pandemic, I would find myself in a dressing room in, you know, France somewhere, and I'd be exhausted i've been having an allergic reaction to some dust My old pillow because we're in some old town i'm all puffy i'm so tired and i've got five shows in a row and i feel like i'm catching a cold and i'm, I'm just exhausted and we have to sleep on the on the bus overnight and the bus is really scary and the drivers are perv and it's like oh so i'll look in the mirror and i'll start putting on my makeup and make a pouty face and be like i, want be, I just i catch myself and go hey you're a touring fucking musician, you are in your 40s and now you're 50s. People still think you're hot. People still will buy tickets to come see you. You put on your fucking makeup and you stop complaining because you know what? The things that you're reacting to that you're calling problems is in the spank tank of at least 100,000 people. They would kill to have your problems. So buck up. You can be sad, you can be lonely, you can be tired, but don't make it a huge thing. And so that was the same thing with this as sad and as angry and out of, out of control that I felt. I was like, I am in such a better position because I know even if we're locked down for two years, I still have an audience and the pajama sessions really were taking everyone's temperatures. Just be like, how is everybody? Are mm-hmm. you guys okay? Just checking in. So I would just say, I mean, this is really old advice from old like self help books and stuff but when you are tearing at yourself mentally which is i am great my inner critic is a asshole tearing me apart what did you do today oh you drank oh good for you oh did you have a cigarette good for you dipshit uh 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 you haven't yeah. written anything you're old you're the, i would just say when you start to go down those spirals imagine that person talking to someone you love more than anything Mm. And what would you Mm. say? Mm. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't talk to my don't talk to my girl like that. Yeah. And be your girl, be Mm. your best friend, be your daughter, be your mother, be your grandmother. Mm. It's like you do not get to do that because you're just reacting to the feeling right now. Mm. These are not facts. These are just feelings going unchecked. And what the brain does, as you know, the brain has a you have a feeling you feel bad, the brain just goes, why do we feel bad? Why do we feel bad? Oh, it's because you, you Uh you drank, you're a bad person, you know, ah, just break that cycle just by like, okay, well, I hear you, but don't you dare talk to me that way. Talk to me also,
0: uh, Storm, just about the quality of movement in your life and what moving your body every day does for you.
1: It makes me less likely to commit homicide. I I have this saying I sweat. So I don't kill seriously (laughs) because I'm like a pony. I have to work out. I have to move my body. I have to like, even if I'm in pain, I'm like, I don't care. Walk it off. I have to do something physical or I get gummed up and all my energy gets caught up and I'm not hungry and I don't, I don't want to do anything. And then it lends itself to another cycle of just ennui and lethargy and And then it's a self-fulfilling kind of thing. Like, oh, you're a piece of shit. You're lazy and you're no, 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 no. No, I I get outside at any opportunity, rain rain or shine, walk, just a walk i want
0: to read one of your incredible statements that you made in one of your pajama sessions you said we're all up and down we're angry sad scared and then we're okay we're seeing glimmers of light and the depths of darkness we're, we're all experiencing the same things at different times and different levels it's like grief and grief is a kind of madness that can't be predicted but there's also a lot of beauty grace magic and miracles that we may not be aware of just remember all those times that are fucking dark that you've gotten through and remember those times, I um took that out and I was like, "Dude, you should be a right." Oh God, you already are. Right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you well, already I mean, are. I got. I I I need to write another book. I've been working on another book, but uh, we'll see. So, yeah. for those
0: who feel hopeless or grieving or feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, do you have any other suggestions, Storm? Any thoughts to leave people with
1: the fact that you feel despair, the fact that you feel hope slipping away, the fact that you feel fear and fear of anything bad happening to you, to loved ones, that is proof and evidence in and of itself that you love this life Mm -hmm. and that there is so much more to live for and you care. That's all that means. The fact that you feel so much, it means you care. And, um, and that is everything. Like I, when I was a kid, I, I equated feeling with weakness. Mm. Feeling is powerful. And so when you're feeling really dark or down or whatever, just give great thanks to the fact that you have a heart mm. that feels things. And in a life, there's definitely going to be dark moments that you cannot control nor stop. But luckily they won't be your fault. So there's that also. Yeah. And, and also gratitude at all times. Gratitude at all times. There's always something to be thankful for, always. I'm so glad you're doing this, Sheila, because mental illness and mental challenges and emotional challenges are so quickly becoming less and less taboo and more universally accepted and mm. not vilified as uh, we don't talk about that and that makes right. it worse makes it totally worse so I think I should just do this song because it's to that point
2: <laughs> call me crazy cause I am and alive oh i am alive that's the way i turn a nose dive into flight call me psycho ah, cause i am lord and i am alive thank god voices in my mind and this crazy helps me to see this as funny makes me feel rich with the money on the pie then my brain it goes over and over it god i know i can't get away shadow landmine call me later just to see see that I got home alive and I am all right I'm just kidding you know me I'll be fine just this crazy helps me to see this is funny makes me feel great with no money honey pie. then my brain it goes over and over it god i know i can't get away from the shadow can i Call me crazy ooh, ooh. Cause I am Baby thank God I oh,
0: This is the first time I've actually felt like I'm in the room with someone storm. <laughs>
2: Oh good! Yeah. Oh, that was I so love beautiful, you too, honey. I, I love, love
0: you too. so much. Ah. Good luck in Los Angeles with the yet to be announced amazing yes. thing that's happening in your life and all the various ways that you bring storm to us. I love you so much. Take good care, storm. I love
1: you, Thank you so much, and take care, everybody.